Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's right. Bear down, Bears fans. We are talking about a victory. Two in a row. The first time ever in the Matt Eberflus era. The Chicago Bears defeat the Detroit Lions 28-13 to to move their record to 5-8. Ross Reed is my co-host today. He of the Mac and Reed podcast on Barroom. You can follow him at Twitter at Ross Reed. And if you don't do that already, I highly recommend it because he is a fun follow. Lots of good snarky comments along the way, which is the only kind of Twitter accounts anyone should have. So Ross, let's just kick into this thing. And let me ask you a question. Are the bears good? Ooh, um, <laughs> Tough question, but let's just so let's good. dive right yeah. in. They're not bad, right? They're, they're not as bad as we thought they were a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't think they're good, but I do think that they can be an average football team and they're showing that they are better than probably what their record dictates right now and certainly what they uh, they look like earlier in the season. Yeah, and this this game was interesting because it was it was very different from a lot of the games we've seen. You know, even the broadcast was kind of, well, they have 12-point lead. That's what they had last time. Like, you almost felt like, like Schlereth was waiting for this to fall apart on Chicago, and, and it never did. You know, they did a good job keeping Jared Goff bottled up. Justin Fields made plays when he had to. The coaching, I didn't like what I saw in the first half, but I actually thought they made some adjustments and looked a lot better in the second half in a lot of regards. So, you know, I'm still kind of trying to process all this because this has been, you know, highly unexpected for me. But let's start with Justin Fields. Let's, let's, Let's do that first here before we kind of get into coaching and some of the other, you know, key players from the game. You know, this, this game was, was interesting because, you know, Fields made a couple great plays. The, the fourth down, you know, he had the free play, the fourth down and strike to DJ Moore for the touchdown. He was great with his legs, especially early in the game. You know, made a couple just dime throws. At the one Nicole Komet on the out route is one, one that, that, that comes to mind. But at the same time, there were plays he left on the field. You know, didn't, didn't turn the ball over, was close a couple times to potentially fumbling, but he didn't turn the ball over. But you know, there there were he he sailed a couple balls. That there, it wasn't a perfect game, but it's I it's one of those games where I sit there and go, it's not a slam dunk where you sit there and say, well, that's the game where Ryan Poles is going to go. We got to keep this guy at a quarterback as our quarterback, but you still see progress of him continuing to improve. And it's December tenth, and there's decisions that have to be made soon. So you know, it was it was a bit of a roller coaster from Fields, but it seemed like there were more highs than lows. That's for sure. 100%. And, you know, this is a game the Bears came out plus three in the turnover margin. And the biggest thing for me for, with Justin always been take care of the football. You cannot make mistakes uh, at the NFL level. You can't continue to keep coughing the ball. If there's one play where I thought he was going to fumble, uh, they cut, they end up calling it for a pass there. But he took care of the football. You're right. He missed some throws. He, he, he sailed a couple passes. Um, but what he was able to do, especially in the first half, extending plays with his legs, I thought was really impressive. 
He made some dime throws there in the second half, and he did just enough to win the football game. And it's a lot of times in the NFL, this is really a week-to-week league. That's really what you have to do sometimes. You know, we do want to see one of those wild 300-yard, three-touchdown games uh, from him. But, you know, listen, they beat a a playoff team at home, and they did it on the strength of him, uh, of their defense, of course, but him not making mistakes. So I thought he played an overall solid game. Um, it's going to make this conversation a lot more interesting through the rest of the year. And obviously, as we get into the offseason with Carolina's pick coming to Chicago, it's looking like that's going to be first overall. And then um, how Ryan Poles will evaluate Caleb Williams and Drake May. Yeah, absolutely. And let, let me ask you this, because I know your your professional background in, is, is, you know, physical therapy and training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot about muscles and, and body mm-hmm. recovery and everything. And, you know, Justin Fields here today. He was sacked three times. He took eight additional quarterback hits beyond that, not to mention some of these running plays where he got drilled multiple times. You know, a couple of them maybe you could, you know, nitpick a little and say they, they, you know, they were a little dirty. But overall, I mean, a lot of these were just clean hits where he was just opening. Just, you know, that I don't remember who hit him, but it was a running play. He was kind of up the middle of the field, right near midfield, and he got leveled. Just absolutely leveled. And Mark Schlereth, again, he brought this up multiple times. And this to me, you know, we we talked about a lot, you know, after the Chargers game about how Chris Collinsworth was just, you know, just talking about um, Tyson Bajan, Tyson Bajan. And it was it was nauseating. The one thing that Schlereth kept bringing up today, which to me felt kind of fed from the Bears Mm -hmm. is. You know, is this sustainable? Can you have a quarterback that continues to take this many hits? Maybe it's just, you know, I, and I understand that Justin Fields takes hits. I'm not saying that Mark Schlereth took, you know, got this out of nowhere, but it, it, it just felt like it was something poignant that they were, that he was trying, he was trying to make this point. Look at this. He's getting hit. He's getting hit. He's getting hit. So, you know, let, let, let me ask you about it. Let's, let's put all the development and all the success that Justin Fields, the more success he's had this year aside. Let, let's talk about the fact that that this guy is had missed multiple games in three consecutive years in his professional career, and he was beat up today. You know, you know, rotating his shoulder on the sidelines, rubbing his hamstrings. You, you just he's going to be in an ice bath tonight. So, so let me let me ask you from your professional opinion. You know, how, how does the body? You know, I know Fields a big guy. He he can he can take some of the abuse, but how does this? How does the body hold up like this? It, you know what? It, it it typically doesn't. And I mean, obviously, he's got youth on his side. He's in impeccable shape. Um, I trust that he takes care of himself between the weeks. Um, he's he's got a great trainer. Um, I, I I trust his acumen throughout the week. But you still can't take these hits seventeen straight weeks. And, and he continues to do it. And then you start to factor in. You're in the middle of Chicago. It's you know thirty two degrees outside right now. It's cold. Those hits you know feel different in the cold and, and, and stuff like that. But I get concerned about it, you know, up there to me with the turnovers that he has, that's number two for me is the amount of hits that he takes because yes, he is a big guy, like you said, but he's not as big as like a Josh Allen or something like that, who tends to absorb these hits a lot more. Um, and and you, I saw him multiple times. We all saw him today. He was wincing as he walked off to go into the halftime. He was, you know, c- clearly in pain. And then you start thinking about this same position last year around this time. And the guy just looked physically beaten up. And then his play started to digress after that. We remember the Lions game from last year where he just looked like a shell of himself because I think that he was injured. And so those are the kind of factors that um, Ryan Poles has to take into play here. 
And, you know, a lot of these things are self-inflicted to me on Justin. He loves holding on to the football. He's a big game hunter by nature. And instead of throwing the football away like he should, he does take a lot of these hits. So it, it is concerning for me. And, and and that's the thing. And that's the kind of last thing I want to talk about fields. And then we'll move on is, is kind of talking about these hits and, and holding on to the ball too long. And, and like you said, he is a big play hunter. He is, you know, touchdown to check down is his mentality. I think Getsy has tried to, you know, knock that out of him a little bit this year, which I don't like. You know, I, I like that mentality from Justin. I mean, we we talked about the years of Matt Nagy's offense under Trubisky and, and Foles and Dalton and this uh, dink and dunk and just mm-hmm. not pushing the ball down the field. And you need to do that. And Justin Fields comes in and that's that's what he does. So if you're going to have that mentality, you're going to hold on to the ball longer. Russ Wilson, when mm-hmm. he was peak Russ Wilson in Seattle, held on to the ball too long, made his offensive line look bad a lot. But he was able to avoid hits when he did that better than Justin. Now, maybe Justin can improve in, in that category. And, and that's just something, to me, a lot of times I feel like that that's just kind of awareness and feel of that, knowing how much more time you can create and how much time you can have with the ball and knowing when to get rid of it. And, and that, for all the improvement I've seen from Justin, and it's, I've seen it there a little bit, but I haven't seen it enough. And we saw it multiple times today of him holding on to the ball, you know, creating more time for himself, doing what he can do. A couple times he did get rid of it and just said, all right, this just isn't happening. And he got rid of the football. But there were a couple other times where I didn't even realize like, he did try and throw the ball down the field. Then they flash back to Justin and he's on his back again. And I was right. like, oh man, he took another hit. So it, it, you, you kind of sit there and he needs, if, if he's going to be the quarterback of this team moving forward, and, and we're going to kind of talk about big picture here the rest of the season and, and these tough choices that are going to have to be made. There, he has to figure out, you know, he's going to hold on to the ball too long, but he's got to figure out when to get rid of it at a better rate than he does right now. Completely agree. And you brought up Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson is a great example. Look, he's a guy that kind of fell off a cliff a little bit, right? Like he was playing at an extremely high level. And then all of a sudden these hits just physically take a toll on you. And he's just not the same guy that he was in those early Seattle years when they were going to Super Bowls. Um, I even think of a guy, you know, different game, but you know, Cam Newton's another guy. Cam Newton was an MVP in this league, took a team to a Super Bowl, and you thought this guy could play in the league 10, 12 years at least. And all those hits just really took a toll on him physically, and he just fell off of a cliff. And that's exactly what I don't want to see happen to Justin, regardless of where he's at at quarterback, whether it's in Chicago or, or anybody else or anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where, you know, you do have to consider it if you're Ryan Poles. We as fans don't have to consider it, but Ryan Poles certainly does. If you do decide to invest in Justin Fields and keep him as your quarterback, you really have to understand that when he's about 31, 32, you're going to see the play fall. This is not a guy, I think, who we can expect to be playing at a, a fairly high level when he's 37, 38, like some of these other quarterbacks who are, you know, in that more traditional in the pocket type type quarterbacks that are better at avoiding hits. This this isn't a guy who's probably going to have a 16 year career of successful seasons. We're going to, you're going to, you're going to see that fall off. Like I I just don't see any other way. Completely agree. I mean, the reason why Tom Brady played into his mid forties is because that guy knew how to maneuver in the pocket and most importantly, get rid of the football before taking those big hits. And then when he saw the hit coming, he really would turtle up and just kind of protect himself. And, and that's just what you have to do. You have to play smart uh, at this level, especially if Justin wants to stay around, get paid $40 million a year or so on and so forth. 
Well, while we're on fields, let's talk about the offense a little bit more here. We'll talk about Getze and and kind of the the game plan here. You know, Getze definitely got got too cute a a few times. That first half, that fourth down play was was an atrocious call. You know, fourth and one, whatever it was, and and, and doing the pitch. And that that was terrible. But, you know, I'll give him credit. The DJ Moore, uh, you know, jet sweep, you know, I guess not jet sweep, but quarterback keeper, I guess, from DJ Moore with with the fake to fields. That was a phenomenal play. It was phenomenally executed. Um, But, you know, overall, to me, I still I, I don't love Getzy overall, and I know they 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 played better in the second half, but it, it felt like that early where they they get the good scripted first drive and everything looks good, then things get choppy and and they let the other team in. So kind of you know your thoughts overall, like DJ Moore, no targets in the first yeah. half, but then they went to him in the second half. They corrected it. So kind of an up and down game from Luke Getzey. Where were you on kind of the offensive game plan? Yeah, I completely agree. You know, that's my been my biggest uh, problem with Luke Getzey overall as an offensive play caller is he just has no feel for getting the football in the hands of his playmakers, right? It, it, you know, DJ Moore should be targeted early and often, especially against the Lions secondary that's been pretty bad throughout this year. The Bears were able to torch them even a couple of weeks ago. Teams have been throwing the football on this Lions team, right? And then, you know, that fourth down play, again, Keep the football in your playmaker's hands. Keep it in Justin Fields' hands. I want him to be able to have an option to, you know, run for it or throw the football. But he should – he deserves that right to me, in my opinion, to, you know, be able to make that play there. So, you know, I, but, you know, in the second half, things look better. The running game certainly got, you know, going, right? We saw Deontay Foreman. Um, you know, he, he finished with 50 yards today on 11 carries. Um, you know, we're they're still struggling to get clear Herbert going a little bit, but you know, overall, I think it was a decent play, you know, game for Getsy. I like the overall scheme of things, uh, especially in the second half. You know, we, we saw a couple plays, Cole Komet was able to get open down the middle of the field, and then you hit it on the head. You know, DJ Moore finished with 10 targets in the game. So, you know, he goes for for first half with nothing, and then you could tell, you know, heaven forbid the Bears actually made adjustments for once at halftime as a coaching staff, Luke Gessie finds a way to get to his playmakers. And then lo and behold, the Bears finish with 28 points. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And, you know, while, while we're talking about playmakers, let, let's talk about Darnell Mooney here because yeah. this this guy's had a, a rough season. I think yeah. there is it, – it's about a 0.0% chance at this point that he's going to come back. I don't think he wants to come back. And at this point, I don't think the Bears are going to want to pay him. You know, I I did kind of a deep dive that I was going to talk about on, on the Bears Banter podcast this week, kind of talking about the this offense and its lack of ability to get it to other wide receivers down the field. Like, it just seems like kind of one wide receiver is targeted down the field, and if it's not there, it's Cole Komet or a running back. That, that really seems to be kind of the offensive game plan, you know, too often. And, and, it, and it comes to the question of, is that Justin Fields not getting through multiple downfield reads? If the one's not there, then he, he looks closer to the line of scrimmage. Or is it, you know, something else? Is it what Getzi's doing? It is, is it an issue with, with the wide receivers? And there were games that I saw where Darnell Mooney has been open and open mm-hmm. frequently. And, and today they tried to get him involved in the offense early. He had seven targets. He just had two catches. He had multiple balls hit him in the hands. I don't know if they're going to count as drops, but they were catchable balls that he should have had. And it's just, you know, we, we we got excited, I think, as, as Bears fans and content creators with this idea of having more uh, Mooney and Claypool at the beginning of the year with Komet and some decent running back options. But 
unfortunately, obviously we know the debacle that, that Claypool was, It it's still the situation we've had where it was like Allen Robinson and no one or Darnell Mooney and no one. It, it's getting to the point here. I mean, Komet's useful. Absolutely. He's, he had another good game. You know, the running backs, you know, are they're nice outlets, you know, out of the backfield. Absolutely. But in terms of wide receivers that can be utilized down the field, it's DJ Moore and nobody. It's where we're really there again. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. I mean, he's got 25 catches on the year right now. So you've got DJ Moore all the way up here, 70 receptions this year. He's over a thousand yards already this season. Uh, that was 70 coming into this game and then commence right behind him. And then, you know, you look at a guy like Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson came in this game with 24 catches. And so Darnell Mooney is only a handful of catches above him. Seven targets today, only two catches. It just feels like to me, just watching all year, him and Justin have not been on the same page all season. Like it's really clicking. It's really humming with DJ Moore. The ball zips out of his hands. It comes out clean. Those guys are connecting for big plays and they're also connecting for those really small plays to move the chains. And it just hasn't been there for, for Darnell Mooney all year. And I think it's a combination of everything that you said. I think Justin's missed passes to him. I think Darnell Mooney has had some drops that he will probably tell you that he should have had. And Luke Getze has not be able to has not been able to scheme multiple wide receivers, not named DJ Moore uh, open. That's just DJ Moore being that damn good. Um, you know, I, I had a tweet earlier today. You, what would this offense look like if that was Marvin Harrison Jr. in that spot instead of Darnell Mooney? You, you know, how would this offense look? So I, I do think Darnell Mooney is a good football player, though. I think he's going to go to a place where he's going to uh, excel and, and be much better. But yes, I, I agree with you. It, it feels like, um, you know, while we're talking about whether Fields is going to stick around or Eberflus and so on and so forth, Darnell Mooney certainly is a guy that looks like he's on his way out. Yeah, and e even beyond Marvin Harrison, like when we look at this offense, I mean, they're between between you know Harrison and Neighbors and yeah. and um, you know Romeo there in Washington and who am I, Keon Coleman? Yeah. Like th there are a lot of high end wide receivers. So if, if the Bears keep winning some games here, I mean, if they make the playoffs somehow, we're going to get all this and, and get the you know twentieth twenty first pick. That, that's obviously much much different, but. If, you know, they, they win some games here, but finish with like 11th, 12th, 13th pick that, you know, if they want to add a wide receiver, obviously guys like neighbors are going to be gone and the Marvin Harrison is going to be gone, but you know, Keon Coleman or someone like that's going to be there and, mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to get a, a, a quality receiver if they want to add that, whether that's with, with a Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. So th there's going to be an opportunity to infuse more talent into the targets here. And obviously they've got free agent money as well. And you really, if you're Ryan Poles, if you're Kevin Warren, you've got to look at this offense. And this is not an easy answer. You've got to look at this offense and go, all right, what, how can we make, this offense isn't good enough the way it is. We, we know that it needs to get better, whether that's the quarterback play, whether that's the, the game caller, that's what they need to figure out. So do they need more talent at receiver? Does the, do they need a quarterback that can infuse, you know, more, you know, get spread the targets around beyond do that better? What, what is, what is it going to be? What is the issue that, you know, there may be multiple underlying issues, but what is the main issue that they need to correct here moving forward? That's what Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles have to decide. And it's not an easy answer. There's a lot of gray area there to try and figure that out. 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to compete with the big boys in this league, your offense at least has to be more explosive. I look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles and they've got A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith out there, right? And, and, and those are two high-level wide receivers. And, and the Bears, um, I, I think they do need to upgrade at the weapons position. We even even talk about Bowers, who's, you know, he's he's technically a, a tight end. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's 
He's a, he's That'll be some lethal one. 12 personnel. <laughs> exactly, great. exactly, right? But yeah, they, they definitely need to enhance the overall just explosiveness of this offense because you cannot beat quality football teams as you want to compete for the playoffs, having DJ Moore being your only primary weapon. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for those of you listening live, we appreciate you. This is not your average Bears postgame show. Bill Zimmerman and Ross Reed. We're going to get to comments. So make sure if you've got comments, questions, drop them in the uh, the section there. We will get to them later. But we've got a few more things to discuss, Ross. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Sure. And we, we got to give credit where credit's due here. Matt Eberflus's defense continues to play well, you know, there's multiple things you can point at at kind of pivot points of when this defense got better. Phil Snow, you know, again, he's doing advanced scouting and helping with the game plan because literally Matt Eberflus can't do the entire job of a defensive coordinator and a head coach. Since he's been brought aboard, which was the first Vikings game, that defense really started clicking into place and, and playing a lot better. Montez Sweat, I even tweeted out at the end of the game when he had, you know, a, a, another sack between the pressures, the QB hits, he's getting home on the sacks now. The defensive line, the pass rush looks completely different with Montez Sweat out there. Javon Dexter is getting more one-on-ones and is starting to really, you know, you know, make things troublesome for offenses in, in the interior there. This defense is really looking good. And this, this you know, we, we can make fun of Jared Goff all we want, and he was bad again today. But this Detroit Lions offense scores points, and the Chicago Bears shut them out in the second half. Completely agree. Montez Sweat has been a game changer on that defensive line. I mean, just wrecking you know things and making things a lot easier for people. All of a sudden, Yannick Ngakwe starts to wake up. He had a sack today, right? Justin Jones looks a little bit better. He had uh, 1.5 sacks today. Even when you look at the secondary, I think the secondary has been playing outstanding the last couple of weeks uh, since they've been healthy. Draquan Brisker had 13 solo tackles today, and, and he should have had an interception. He dropped an interception today. Um, you, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is, it was playing a little bit faster downhill today. They just look like a bolt of energy just got, you know, uh, inserted into this defense. They just look so much better. And yes, you've got to give Matt Everfuse credit for that since he's been calling plays. You've got to give Phil Snow a lot of credit for that as well. I think there's been a lot of, you know, between the week scouting and adjustments and stuff like that. And um, they had golf looking like a deer in headlights today. And it's been fun. And all of a sudden, I, I think, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about the quarterback position, a lot about Justin Fields and stuff like that. But it's this defense that even has the Bears in the hunt you know, right now for a playoff spot. And then you start looking at the rest of the season, they get guys like Joe Flacco on the schedule and, you know, they, you know, Kyler Murray's on the schedule. There are not great quarterbacks or at least quarterbacks not playing well right now on their schedule the rest of this year. And the way this defense is playing, the Bears might win another two or three football games. Yeah, no, and we're, we're going to get into that because, you know, this, this game to me really, you know, and the Vikings game a little bit before the bye, but the, these last two games here have really pivoted the thought process on, on where this Bears team is. It's going to impact decisions potentially with Matt Eberflus, potentially with Luke Getze here down the, down the stretch and into January as well. It's it, it's kind of a, a fascinating situation here. So, you know, on this, you know, defensive side of the ball, when, when you kind of look at it overall, and go, you know, what, what else can be done? Like, is this a complete defense? Like, you know, even when you look at the big picture, like Eddie Jackson is probably going to be replaced, but they can easily get, look, I love Eddie Jackson. I I love what he did five, five years ago, four years ago. He's not the same player anymore. He's still pretty good. Uh, You know, he'll find his way on a roster somewhere next year, but you know, in terms of his 
impact versus his salary is just not the same. I think they're going to be able to replace his productivity with a much, you know, you know, less salary, you know, you know, eight, nine million less per year. You know, they're going to be able to do that. I still think they need a little more help up front. They're going to be able to do that if they want, if they want to go out and get another edge. Brad Biggs mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he thought Daniel Hunter might be an option for them. Yeah. That'd be shocking if they, you know, spent, you know, 55 million a year basically on two edges. Yeah. I think you can't eliminate Chris Jones as a potential opportunity to, to bring him in. Obviously, he's got a relationship with Ryan Poles. I don't think he's going to be franchised in Kansas City. I think yeah. they probably had a, a handshake agreement that he can go out and find his bag, you know, this year after, after kind of settling on a non franchise tag last year. I could be wrong about that. You know, Bryce Huff, the guy from the Jets, we've yes, talked yeah. about him a lot. He's going to be less than, than Hunter. He's going to be expensive. I don't think Bears fans, I don't, he's not a guy you're going to be able to get for eight, nine million a year. He's going to get because they see teams see his productivity per snap count. So he's going to have an absolute opportunity to get a, a big haul on a contract there. But they had a couple more guys up front and kind of replace Eddie Jackson. Kind of feel like this defense is going to be largely complete. And if they get, like I said, just a little more up front. If Matt Eberflus is back and this scheme stays in place, they're going to have an opportunity to have a really good, you know, top 10 for sure, maybe pushing top five if, if, if things go right. Really good defense in 2024. 100%. I completely agree with you, especially if they're going to start to continue to take the, the football away like they have been the last couple of weeks. And that's been the big thing is with this defense, um, especially with the Matt Eberflus defense that kind of pen, plays that that bend but don't break style. But now they're starting to get takeaways, another three more today. And I think that's going to be humongous. We'll love to see another pass rusher, uh, spend some money on another pass rusher uh, opposite Montez Sweat. You know, I, I you hit on the head. Bryce Huff, to me, is a guy that's going to be at the top of the list because I don't think that – I think he'll be obtainable and not that expensive. But the Bears have a ton of money. If they want to go, you know, big game shopping – why not go after a guy like Chris Jones? I mean, he is that dynamic of a football player. You know, he almost single-handedly won the Super Bowl for the Chiefs last year. You know, that's how good he was. So you can you imagine him with that defensive line, those two young studs that they have right now rotating in with with, uh, with Pickens and Dexter? It'd be awesome. Yeah, and last thing on the defense here, and then we'll take a quick break and kind of go back, come back and do big picture this season and moving forward. Jalen Johnson. Yeah, yeah, another another big play today coming off maybe his best overall performance against the Vikings. You know, he's they they we've talked about it for years. He he could make plays, he'd be sticky in coverage, but he couldn't get interceptions, he couldn't cause turnovers. That's changed this year. He's added that to his game. He continues to play well. I, I don't know where he is, but I believe he, um, among cornerbacks, he has literally the best passer rating against in the entire league he is playing like a top five cornerback in the mm -hmm. nfl this year i don't know if the bears are going to give him a big contract but i do think johnson's played his way to the tag where maybe ryan pole sits him down and goes look it's going to be the tag you do it again next year you're going to you're going to be here for many years yeah and i i'm in i'm in team pay him his money camp you know give him his four or five year deal and, and pay him his money again you have enough of it um, it sends a message to your locker room as well that you're retaining your own players and your quality talent players. He reminds me a lot, different sport, obviously, but he reminds me a lot of, of when Jimmy Butler was on the Bulls, where Jimmy Butler bet on himself and, and, and turned down, you know, something that he thought was a low ball offer. And then he went out there and became a max player. It's a very similar situation with Jalen Johnson. I love it. I love guys that do that. 
I want everybody getting paid in football and in life. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's, you know, he, he talked a lot and he, he faced a lot of backlash on Twitter and stuff like that. And, you know, people are saying you're not a top five corner and yada, yada, yada. And what has he done? He has backed it up and that's what good football players do. So I'm proud of him. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, look, and this is a kind of a gamble that Ryan Poles has lost. I'm not knocking him for this, but Jalen Johnson wanted to be extended before this season. He mm -hmm. tried to get you know, sit down with the Poles, with Poles and, and his camp and didn't happen, right? And I'm guessing if you tried to extend Jalen Johnson in, in the offseason here back in August, you probably could have gotten for 15, 16 million a year. And the Bears were like, I don't think you're worth that much. And then he starts playing really well. Then you probably needed to pay him up where the tag's going to be, which is probably about eighteen million a year. He, you know, you tag him next year and he does this again, you're going to have to pay him twenty, twenty-one million dollars a year. So Ryan Poles, if he keeps kicking the can down the field here, he's going to get burned by it eventually. You know, he's he's you know probably Jalen's earning himself multiple millions for dollars for every game he puts in per season. And like I said, now he could get franchise tag. His shoulder problems could flare up. He could miss six games next year. And, and you know, things could, could regress for him. But if he continues on this upward trajectory, all he's going to do is keep earning himself more money in his pocket. 100%. And you start tagging him and stuff like that, and that eats into the cap space a little bit more than you being able to kind of spread that money out on a long-term deal. So it's going to be a fascinating thing to see how that plays out. Again, I'm team pay him his money. I want to see him here long-term. I think he's earned that. He's been uh, a consummate pro on and off the field as well. All right. That is Ross Reed. You can follow him at Twitter at Ross Reed. I am Bill Zimmerman at Bill T Zimmerman on Twitter. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we will be talking about playoffs. That's next. This is not your average bears post game show. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Ross, let's dive into this here because this is something, you know, if you would have, you know, I had Bears fans asking me around, kind of around Thanksgiving, you know, about, hey, if this team could win a couple games, can they get back into the playoff hunt? And I basically laughed and I feel like an ass where I was just like, no, they cannot get into the playoff hunt. They're not nearly good enough. They're only five and eight. They have a long way to go. But this Cleveland Browns team that they have coming up next week, Joe Flacco has actually looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. But when Joe Flacco is, is your quarterback, especially when Joe Flacco is your quarterback in 2014, <laughs> it's beatable. But when Joe Flacco is, is your quarterback in 2023, he's absolutely beatable. The Browns defense is very good. You know, that's going to be a, a measuring stick again for, for Justin Fields here. And then you turn around 
and you've got the Cardinals on Christmas Eve. Kyler Murray, you know, we'll we'll see how where he's at. The Atlanta Falcons with Desmond Ritter on New Year's Eve. Like, I, I'm not sitting here and I'm waving the pom poms and going, this, this team's unstoppable. But to me, it is not impossible that Bears Packers in week 18 is on Sunday night football because there are playoff implications on the line for both teams when the Chicago Bears are sitting eight and eight. It's not impossible, Ross. Last time we saw that was the Chris Conti game, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope uh, let's hope that it, it would uh, it would be better than that if it comes to that. Yes, I completely agree with you. I mean, listen, we still have a lot of uh, a long way to go. I think there's still a lot of work to be had to be done here, but it's not inconceivable, like you said. I mean, tomorrow night the the Packers play the Giants. I can see look, the Giants are feisty. I, I can see the Giants winning that football game. It's a Monday night game. It's a weird game. And then after that, um, you know, the Packers, um, I'm pulling up their schedule here right now. They got, they got some winnable games. Yeah, they do. They do. So, you know, it's going to be interesting here. They, they've got Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay will come to Green Bay uh, for the Battle of the Bays. So, you know, listen, I think the Bears would have to win out, you know, to to be able to, to win or to go to the playoffs. But it's not inconceivable. Um, it really sucks that you start to look back on some of those losses that they had earlier in the year, the Lions game, the uh, Broncos game. That should have been two wins right there because we would have been talking more about this team being a, a definitely wild card team right now if they didn't have those two losses. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you you look at this right now. This again, they're they're five and eight, and we, we you know we've talked about it multiple. You're not asking for that much if you don't blow the biggest lead in franchise history to the Denver Broncos, and you don't become the first team in 90 years to have a plus three turnover margin and hold the ball for over 40 minutes and lose the football game. You're sitting here. Not only are you in the play, you're you're like in the playoffs right now. You're sitting there with a seven and six record. Everything we've talked about, if they have those two victories completely changes everything about how how this team is 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 talked about and, and how this season in terms of a success rate is is looked at i mean look it's a tall order i mean they this is i mean literally this is the first time matt eberflus has won two games in a row yeah. and he did it with a bye in the middle so he still has not won in back-to-back weeks and we are in december of year two and so talking about him running the table seems ludicrous but right now Justin Fields is playing pretty good football the offensive line continues to look pretty good not perfect but again this is an offensive line that's getting reps together this last month or so of the season for really the first time ever they continue to improve the defense is playing lights out Mm -hmm. when you put all that into play this it it, kind of to me now this Detroit game, I think, was a really important measuring stick for Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus in terms of their job security. They went out there and and put a stamp on this game, both of them did, that, you know, hey, we can win football games with me as coach. We can win football games with me as quarterback. They made that statement. You got to do it again. As far as I'm concerned, you got to do it again because you lose to Cleveland and then you lose, you know, you, you lose two out of three in that that final stretch or something. Things fall apart. Eberflus is gone. Fields is traded. It, it's that volatile right now, I think. But this Cleveland game now, you win this one, and suddenly you've won three in a row. You've won back to back weeks. You'll a hundred percent with the Cardinals game coming up. Have everyone will be talking about how the Bears are hot and are a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. They're literally one win away from being that team. This Cleveland game coming up 
a huge game for the future of Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields. Yeah, and I feel like we say that now every single week. The, the, the new week is the next huge game for Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields, but that's the, that's the corner that they backed themselves in. And now, to their credit, they're trying to claw themselves out of it. Today was the signature win, obviously, in the Matt Eberflus era, but I thought it was for, for Justin Fields, too, to be able to beat a divisional team like that at home to, to really, you know, they, they kind of really dominated, especially in the second half. And, um, you know, all of a sudden you've got a lot of momentum. A lot of guys in that locker room believe you hit it on the head going to Cleveland. Now, you know, it doesn't feel as daunting, especially with Joe Flacco is, is their quarterback. You know, they've got a great defense. And the last time we saw Justin Fields in Cleveland, it looked terrible. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's that not was, talk about that. Right. That was the Matt Nagy days. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you hope that, uh, that, that miles Garrett doesn't, you know, crush him, but, this is going to be an interesting football game. And then you start scoreboard watching the rest of the other teams as well, right? We're going to be watching. We always root for the Packers to lose, but we're going to be watching them tomorrow night. Um, Seattle's playing right now. They've got a quarterback situation with Geno Smith. has got a groin injury. He's hurt right now. The Rams lost today on a walk-off punt return in overtime against the uh, the Ravens. And so those are the teams that are in front of the Bears right now. The Saints, um, they, they won today. They look dreadful as a football team. And so, you know, you start looking at these teams, the Bears are actually playing better than most of those teams that are in the hunt right now. And so the, the arrow is pointing up for Matt Aberflus and for Justin Fields, which makes for some interesting conversations going into the offseason. Yeah, like, so before we switch to kind of the, the big offseason questions here, and then we'll get to questions from, from yeah. the comments. So again, if you're listening live, we appreciate you and, and make sure you get comments, questions in there. We're going to get to them here in just a few minutes. But but Ross, let's let's look at the NFC here. Let's let's look at the ridiculous idea of the Bears making the playoffs. You look at the mm-hmm. NFC East. There's two teams making the playoffs, and there's two teams not making the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. plain and simple, it, you know, Dallas and Philly are in. Washington and the Giants have no chance. If you look at the NFC South, it sticks. Everyone's terrible. You're probably going to have a division winner that wins is goes eight and nine. I think everyone else is probably going to finish with six seven wins. Mm-hmm. Carolina is going to finish with one or two wins. And, you know, we're, we're, we're at that point here. You get to the NFC West. We know the 49ers are a good team. You're going to have, you know, Seattle in the mix. You're going to have the Rams in the mix, who you said just, just lost today. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the North, and, you know, let's assume the Lions hold on and don't collapse and, and win the division. Then you're, you're talking about the, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears all in the mix there. So suddenly you're talking about the Cowboys are in. You're talking about two wild card spots. And if we're assuming no one comes from the South, you're talking about the the three teams in the NFC North and two teams in the in the NFC West. It's not that daunting. And when you talk when you look at their records right now, it's possible if the Bears lose the right game, and and the right game would honestly probably be Cleveland because it's an AFC game, so it has less of an impact for tiebreakers. Eight and nine. At the end, again, you got to beat the Packers. In, that, that's not going to be an easy task, you know, with, with things on the line there. Eight and nine, even the, the, the possibility of making the playoffs at eight and nine, it's not impossible the way the bottom of the NFC playoffs is shaping up. It's really not. And, you know, we talked about it. Injuries are piling up with some of these other teams. Some of these other teams are just not very good. I mean, it's the NFC to me is very, very top heavy. Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys. After that, it is a complete crapshoot. So it would not shock me at all if a lot of those teams started to sputter a little bit and stack up some losses and the Bears are able to hang on in there or hang around at least and make that Week 18 game very interesting. Um, you know, you start to get 
definitely the tanking things out of the window, right? We, we're, we're done with that now. They're winning too many games to even consider tanking and, and trying to get a top five pick of their own picks. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, as a fan base, it would be cool, even though we, we know this is not a Super Bowl team, it would be cool to at least see them get a wild card spot and, and see what happens. I also think it would be really fun, you know, playing these competitive games throughout the rest of the year and potentially getting a wild card spot is also a very interesting litmus test for Justin Fields, too, because he has not played meaningful football since the uh, you know, since the college playoffs, you know. And so and that was actually where he shined to me. And I thought that he became a top, you know, a top 15 pick because of the way he played, especially with the rib injury at Ohio State in the playoffs. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he responds in Cleveland on the road next week, knowing they have to win this. If we potentially get to that week 18 game in Lambeau Field, if you want him to be the quarterback long-term or you want him to prove it, he's got to win and overcome and, you know, win these football games and overcome if he wants to stay here long-term. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point. And I, one I really thought about having Fields actually having meaningful football that he will be able to play in Chicago. So mm-hmm. while, while we're talking about, you, you mentioned long-term, let, let's talk about long-term. Let's start with the coaching because the I, the quarterback is, the situation is weird, obviously with the Carolina mm-hmm. pick. So let's talk about that second, but let's talk about the coaching situation here. We'll talk about Eberflus and Getze. I think obviously there is a better chance that Matt Eberflus is back over Luke Getze. I still don't think I've seen enough from Luke Getze to sit there and say, this is the guy I want to continue working with Justin Fields, or this is the guy I want developing a rookie quarterback. Right. Either way, and I hope Ryan Poles and, and, and Kevin Warren see it the same way. Luke Getze, there, there needs to be a change there, in my opinion. I'm still not a big Matt Eberflus fan. I understand the team has played much better. He absolutely deserves credit for how much better this defense is. He absolutely deserves credit for keeping this team playing hard in October and November when it looked like the season was lost and he kept them believing and kept them fighting. He absolutely deserves credit for all that. I still don't love the in-game decisions. It didn't matter today. I hated the field goal to go up 15. You're up two scores already. You're still up two scores. I understand you need an extra point and a two-point conversion. It's still two scores that we were in the red zone. It was fourth and two. Go, you know, the offense was looking pretty good. Go for it. And I, I didn't like that, you know, and I'm I'm conservative when it comes to, to kicking field goals. I like kicking field goals more than, than risking it. But to me, I didn't like that. I still love the in-game decisions. So I'm still not aboard the Matt Eberflus train. But for a fan base that was assuming he was going to be fired, basically since they started off 0-3 or maybe 0-4, wherever you were, I think everyone assumed that this this was this dumpster fire was going to end with Matt Eberflus getting fired. We, we I mean, people were talking about he should be fired after the Washington game if they lose. Like that that was the conversation we were having that early in the season. Hmm. I mean, the, the again, like we said, seven and six here. You know that that type of you know or what is a six and five? I should say. You know they're playing a lot better these last few games. It kind of is getting to a point where. I'm close to saying more likely than not, Matt Eberflus keeps his job than loses his job. I'm right there with you. I, if I were to put a percentage on it, I think it's like 60-40 right now that he stays. Uh, obviously, that could change. That can fluctuate. But let's assume the Bears win at least two more football games this year, right? That gets them to seven wins. 
I, I don't think you could fire him at seven wins. In fact, going into the season, they're over under, you know, on FanDuel and stuff like that was like right at that seven win number. And so to go from three to seven in one year, I just don't see how you can fire a guy like that. You know, and we talked about, you know, Ben Johnson has been the hot name. You know, he he neutralized that offense today in the second half, you know, with his defense. And so those kind of things matter. But you hit it on the head. This locker room didn't quit. Um, these guys continue to fight. These guys never threw him under the bus, you know, anything like that. They've said some things about Luke Yesty, you know, Justin Fields has, especially stuff like that. But they, it feels like they've all stayed true to Matt Eberflus, and they're still fighting and, and still clawing their way through this. And I think you have to tip your hat off to him. I agree with you. The in-game stuff is 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 questionable, but you know he could be starting to turn into just a really good CEO of a of a football team, a guy that's just a, a manager of men and, and, and manager of a locker room. And if you paired him with two better coordinators, because he needs two coordinators, right? Doesn't have a defensive coordinator right now. Um, he could continue to grow into a solid head coach. And I think that when we start to look at the history of this franchise. You know, you talk about conservative, the Bears as a franchise have been pretty conservative in making these kind of, they don't really fire coaches too much, especially after guys that, that win seven games. I mean, obviously, Lovey was gone after 10, but Lovey had a very long tenure here before, you know, his his exit. You know, Matt Nagy was was able to to go eight and eight and, and still keep his job and stuff like that. So, and then the way Matt Eberflus has held the locker room together after two weird coaching situations right we don't know what happened there's speculation stuff like that but we do know that two coaches on his staff were dismissed and hr had to get involved they, and usually when you see something like that you're like oh boy the bears are in trouble and they're just gonna be able to tank this and lose the locker room and he's kept them together they've actually played much better since uh alan williams and and hightower have been a bit not hightower we'll see uh running backs uh, coach's name uh since he got dismissed yeah. right um so so yeah and again Talking about Matt Eberflus and like you said, the the coordinator situation. And, and I think if if he's going to be retained, that that's going to be a, a huge key here because put, put Alan Williams and the you know the issues you know the HR issues aside, mm -hmm. the defense was bad last year. Now again, yeah. they 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 had some talent lacking, but they were not playing above. And we sit there and say, well, it's Matt Eberflus's defense, but Alan Williams was calling the plays. It was bad. The defense against the Packers, that was all Allen Williams. Mm -hmm. It was bad. The Tampa Bay game, Eberflus called the plays, but Allen Williams put that game plan together. It was bad. The Chiefs game was a complete disaster. Then they start finally turning the corner there when Matt Eberflus was finally kind of getting more involved with the defense, Phil Snow, et cetera. So they, he needs to hire a good defensive coordinator because his Allen Williams hire was bad. And Luke Getze hire, as far as I'm concerned, was bad. So if they're going to keep Matt Eberflus, Part of the conversation is who are the coordinators that you are going to have? Like, yeah. it's not a, well, let me see who I can get. No, that's going to be part of the conversation in January yeah. with Matt Eberflus is we, this staff, these coordinator positions need to be better. But, and, and again, as a guy who has highly criticized Matt Eberflus all season, I'll bring up Dan Campbell since we're just talking about Detroit here and they played Detroit. If you remember Dan Campbell, we, we everyone media fans mocked Dan Campbell early in Detroit because he made so many questionable decisions. Like, does this guy understand any kind of game management, clock management? He was, I, I can't remember specific reasons, you know, specific instances, but he was a complete debacle on the sidelines and he continued to improve, continued to improve. He's aggressive on fourth down still, 
but you know, the, the, everything's a lot more cohesive in Detroit than it was early on. He has grown into that position. And I think if they lose Ben Johnson, that's absolutely going to hurt him. But, but that's where you can kind of see that the Matt Eberflus progress as a coach, kind of he's growing into this position. He's a first time head coach. He's never had to do this before. So I still don't like the idea of Matt Eberflus and especially Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey or Matt Eberflus and an offensive coordinator working with a new quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Justin Fields stays, it's, it's a little different, mm-hmm. but the, the, you, again, like I said, Matt Eberflus continues from, I mean, three weeks ago, he was out the door fire. Like when he lost that Detroit game, I mean, he was fired, right? I mean, it was, and you know, suddenly here we're just a few weeks later and the bears are, you know, knocking on the doors of trying to get back into the playoff picture and, and they are winning games and doing so impressively. I mean, this is a good Detroit team and they beat them 18 to nothing in the second half. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the offensive coordinator thing, which I think has plagued defensive coordinator turned head coaches for a long time in the NFL. Now I think it's what Lovey got Lovey Smith fired, right? He had questionable, um, you know, offensive coordinators from, from Mike Martz to Mike Tyson and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, I think Matt Eberflus is going to be able to, at the end of the season, especially if they win seven games, lobby for his job. And I think he's going to be able to lobby and, and win. And he'll tell Ryan Poles, look, there's going to be some hot names out there that I can bring in as an offensive coordinator or collectively the, the, the brain trust of him, uh, Poles and Kevin Warren can come together and say, OK, who is on the short list of guys that we want to come in here and change the trajectory of this offense? We want to call Eric Bieniemy, who's going to be out of a job soon because Washington is probably going to blow up that situation. Right. If uh, Brandon Staley loses his job, Kellen Moore is going to be a guy that's out there. He's had success uh, at Dallas and, and, and also with, um, with Justin Herbert right now. And so there's going to be some guys out there that you can upgrade over Luke Getze and still allow Matt Everfus to, to keep his job. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, but the fact that this, this team has not quit and they're fighting hard, I have to, we have to tip our hat to him as much as we're not fans of Matt Everfus. I completely agree with you, but sometimes the grass is not always green on the other side, right? We, you know, you see a lot of these hot names, these, hot young offensive coordinators come in and they kind of flame out a little bit. And so that was, these are going to be just a litany of decisions that Ryan Poles is going to have to make uh, very soon here. I hope he has a great holidays. I hope he enjoys <laughs> time with his family <laughs> because come January, he's going to really, really earn his paycheck. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So let, let's talk about the, the the last guy in terms of long-term, you know, you know, long, his long-term fit with the team. And that's Justin Fields, who yeah. I know, Bears fans love. I I put out a poll question earlier this week. Who do you want to be quarterback in 2024? 69% (laughs) said Justin Fields. They did over Caleb, over Drake May, over other options. I mean, this fan base loves Justin Fields, and and I get it. And I've said it all season. Justin Fields is the exact guy you want leading your team. He's, He's charismatic. He's fun. He's athletic. He's a good guy. You know, you, you see videos of him all the time interacting with kids. Like, mm-hmm. he, he is the perfect, and, and in Chicago, he is the perfect face of the franchise. But because Ryan Poles made what is turning out to potentially be the heist of the century in terms of this trade with the Carolina Panthers, it you know, the Panthers lost today. The, we, we know about the Thursday night game with Pittsburgh and New England. It is now a full two-game lead. And the New England strength of schedule and the Carolina strength of schedule is really close. It keeps kind of going back and forth at this point. So Mm -hmm. we don't know how it's going to finish. 
But if Carolina finishes with a worse strength of schedule, that's the tiebreaker for, for you know draft picks. They have a two and a half game lead in that case in terms of getting the number one pick with four games to play. It's almost insurmountable at this point. So it is really, I mean, we're at 90, 93%. I don't know what it is. Seth Walder from ESPN, I'm sure, is going to put it out soon about that, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the picks he maybe already have while we're, we're talking. But mm-hmm. it is almost, it, it's becoming a near certainty that they're going to have the number one pick thanks to this trade that Ryan Poles made with the Carolina Panthers. And there's going to be an opportunity to get a top prospect, whether whatever you think fans of, of Caleb Williams and Drake May, and if they're generational or not generational, or you don't want to start over with a rookie, Regardless, they are they are in the categories in terms of prospects with Joe Burrow, with mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. with you know that whole kind of group of guys. They are better prospects than both C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young from mm-hmm. last year. They are in that you know even Justin Herbert and Tua. I think they, they kind of all them kind of in that top of the last five six years. Like that's the top tier of prospects coming out, and they're with that group. So it's no guarantee that they are going to turn into superstars. There's no guarantee that they're going to turn out as good as Justin Fields. But it's an opportunity to reset the quarterback contract and pay a lot of guys. And I said that on my podcast last week when I had Brad Biggs on. A lot of Bears fans are like, let's become the Eagles and the Niners and build around Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep saying, that's not the case. In that case, if that's what you want, Justin Fields is Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo. In Mm -hmm. that case, because you get rid of that quarterback, you bring in the rookie contract and that, you know, then you have Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts and you get tons of talent because you can keep it all. Justin Fields. And I think that's where Bears fans may. Oh, well, he hasn't been a superstar. So he's going to get, you know, 20, 25 million a year as a court. No, Justin Fields is at minimum going to get 45 million a year. He's going to get paid more than Daniel Jones. And his agent is is a hard nosed guy. I think Justin Fields, he is he going to get more than Herbert? Is he going to like get that next jump? No, I don't think so. Even if he plays pretty well for a couple of years, he's going to get $50 million a year probably. Mm-hmm. This is not a situation where you're going to be able to pay all these guys around Justin Fields because you have to pay Justin Fields. So it's a really hard situation. And if the Bears run the table, go 9-8, and eight, make the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game, you're not getting rid of Justin Fields. I, I get that. that. That'd be insane. Mm-hmm. But – if they go seven and ten, you keep bringing up seven and ten. So let's say they go seven and ten. Fields looks pretty good, but still has the roller coaster like we saw today. I don't know if the Chicago Bears are going to trade for a haul. I think Ryan Poles is going to sit there with C.J. Stroud in the back of his head, going, "If I sign up for Justin Fields and pay him forty-five million a year to be the a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL, and Stroud, May, and Williams all become top ten quarterbacks." I'm going to be out of a job. Completely agree with you. Eh? And, and, you know, emotion gets involved, especially on Twitter. Shocking emotion gets involved <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> but you have to take emotion out of it. and You have to look at this from a logistical and financial situation, like you said. Are you comfortable as a as an organization locking up Justin Fields, like you said, into 45 to $50 million a year? Um, and, and are you comfortable with what he's shown you on the field and also, going all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the hour, right? The injuries, taking the big hits, right? Is he going to be even available for you, you know, 15 to 17 games a season? Those things factor in when you're paying a guy that kind of money. Are you going to be able to pay Chris Jones 
uh, if you in, in if you want to keep Justin Fields at 40, 50 million dollars a year. These are things that are going to have to come in and motion has to get taken out of it. I'm not there yet. I, I don't know. I still want to see how it all plays out. I want to see. Um, I, I would like to, to hear what polls thinks about, uh, you know, Caleb Williams and Drake May, especially when meeting with them. How's the vibe? How are they meshing? Those kind of things. Right. I, I, I want to see Justin throughout the rest of the, this year play at top level because it can only help the Bears because either he's coming back. Or if you're trading him, then you could potentially get a first round pick for him. You can have three first round picks in this in this draft. But, you know, there's still so much nuance here. I still lean right now towards him being out just because of the financial situation. I just don't think currently at this moment he's a 40 to 50 million dollar a year quarterback. Now, he could change a lot of that in the last couple of games in the year, but we've got a decent enough sample size we're in year three to where we know it just doesn't quite feel right. You know, it just, it, it, it you feel a little dirty giving him 40 to $50 million a year. That doesn't say we don't like him because I love him. I think he's a great young man. And I, I think he represents the team and the city very well. Um, I think he's got star power potential, but when you start looking at guys, like you said, Caleb Williams is there and Drake may, and you can reset the financial situation and get maybe at the very least, equal talent, but if not, you know, probably greater talent, um, then I think you have to, to, to do that. And so it's going to be interesting. I wish we talk about Justin Fields playing meaningful football and how it's going to be valuable for him the rest of the year. I wish we saw that from Caleb Williams and Drake May as well, because I think that would also help ease our, our, our minds about either one of those two guys. They're, they're both very, very talented. I'm a huge Caleb Williams fan, huge Caleb Williams fan, and I, I defend him a lot. Um, but we're not going to see these guys. We're not going to see them in, in the playoffs. We're not going to see them in any bowl games. Their seasons are done. And uh, that puts a big gray area over this entire situation. Yeah, it, it really does. And we're, you know, since we're kind of talking about it, I'm going to start with comments and questions here. And again, mm-hmm. last call, if you've got any comments, questions, get them in there now. And we'll, and we'll get to them here as we wrap up the podcast. But, you know, Noah O'Neill says, based on Fields' performance today and recently, how does this affect the draft selection? And that's what's so odd about this whole thing with Justin Fields is the, you know, the, the evaluation of Justin Fields in some ways is almost independent to the, to the draft pick. And and it's so hard. Now, again, like I said, lights out, run the table. It can change a lot of things. If the Carolina Panthers and this, this had nothing to do with Ryan Poles, obviously, if the Carolina Panthers had decided to draft CJ Stroud, which rumors said that's what Frank Reich wanted to do, but David Tepper wanted Bryce Young because of their S2 tests. That's the rumor mm-hmm. about why that decision was made. If that's the case and he takes CJ Stroud instead, the Panthers definitely, I'm not saying they'd be in like the playoff hunt, but they definitely would have two or three more wins. Bryce Young just really struggled again today. It's it's almost hard to watch him yeah. continue to just mentally break here yeah. with the Carolina Panthers. He's It's literally what the Chicago Bears do to quarterbacks, right? We're seeing it play out with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. If the Bears did not have this top first or second pick and seemingly almost wrapped up here, the whole evaluation would be different. You're not you're not looking at Justin Fields compared to Caleb Williams or Drake May. You're looking at Justin Fields compared to JJ McCarthy or Jaden Daniels. Sure. It's a totally different conversation. And what we've seen from Justin Fields the last few weeks, I would absolutely I don't want to get rid of Justin Fields for JJ McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Not at all. That that would I would just I would just crush Ryan Poles in a podcast if he did something like that. 
But when you have this top pick here, and who knows, maybe the Bears' evaluation will be they don't like Drake May. The the Patriots lose out. The Panthers win a couple games. They get the tiebreaker. The Patriots get the tiebreaker, and the Panthers end up with the second pick. And the Bears go, you know what? I don't want Drake May. We're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. at two, or we're going to trade down and still get a lot of picks because someone's going to come up and pay a lot for Drake May. When we saw how much the Niners paid to come up to number three for Trey Lance, you can Mm -hmm. still get a big haul here even if you're not – at number one. So we don't know what the Bears evaluation is of these two guys. Maybe they love Drake May and they don't like Caleb Williams. Right. Like any of that's possible where if they don't have the number one pick, it could absolutely change things. But the fact is that right now it looks like they're going to have the number one pick. And to me, and I hate to say something like that, that's almost the, the cherry on the top of the perfect, completely 100% unfair stretch that Justin Fields had in Chicago that he gets put into a situation where Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are trying to save their jobs that was a horrible situation to put a rookie now he's got to learn a brand new offense in year two where they literally didn't put any talent around him and tanked the season that's his second year now he comes in this year they finally have a little more talent and everything around him he starts growing and developing they go oh sorry Justin we got the number one pick see you later like like I've always said like Justin Fields if he was dealt a poker hand, it was he, he got a seven high or an eight high poker hand. Like he got literally the worst hand you could possibly be dealt. That's the situation he's in. So like I said, unless he does something really special down the stretch, if the Bears end up with the number one pick, it's just it's out of his hands. Completely agree. And, you know, today, going back to his performance today, that was not a special performance today. That was a very pedestrian performance, right? He still missed throws. He still missed a couple layups and stuff like that. And these are the reasons why we're saying you don't feel great about paying him that kind of money when you have a guy like Caleb Williams or or Drake May there. You hit on the head. It's something that I've thought about a lot, which is at the end of the season, I I really would like to see where Poles is going to have these three quarterbacks ranked. And then after he has conversations with them, uh, you know, in particular with Caleb Williams and Drake May, you know, where does that adjust a little bit? But all in all, I think Justin's going to be okay long term because I think he is a very good quarterback. He's not great, but I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's a very smart young man, and I think he's a very resilient young man. So if this is if he's playing for the rest of his career right now, whether it's in Chicago or he's in Atlanta next year. Or, or another situation, right? And so I still want him to ball out. I still root for the young man. But, you know, it, you, if the Bears get the first overall pick, I do think that he's gone. And, and that's just the writing on the wall. And I think he knows that. Right now he's just playing to, to enhance, you know, you know his, his career and uh, for his next spot going forward. Unless, yeah. of course, they went out. Right. And and I think a lot of us have assumed that Justin Fields, you know, if they do trade him, probably going to, you know, second round or maybe some sort of conditions attached to it and, you know, multiple picks kind of thing. But I'll tell you what, while, you, like you said, this performance wasn't fantastic today, mm-hmm. it was still NFL starter worthy. True. And when you look at teams that are pretty good, but have quarterback issues. And everyone brings up Atlanta because it's perfect because they have quarterback issues. They've got a good roster. They're they're stuck at 500 because they have Desmond Ritter. So, you know, you talk about that. If you can put him in the right situation, he really could excel. But at the same time, could, if Justin Fields puts together performances like this, 
is he worth a first round pick to a team that feels they are a pretty good, not an amazing, but a pretty good quarterback away from winning 10, 11, 12 games. And the Atlanta Falcons may think that there's other teams like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers, something happens and and he's gone and the jets are Mm -hmm. sitting there going, if we adjusted fields, you know, we can Mm -hmm. absolutely win football games. There's, there's other teams like that, the Tennessee Titans, you know, You know, again, Will Levis, they're probably not going to give up on him after a season. But these are the type of teams that sit there. You know, the Raiders are winning more games than I don't know how they're winning these many football (laughs) games, but they are. You know, there's teams out there that are a quarterback away from being competitive. And I just wonder if Justin Fields continues to play like this and the Bears do decide to move on. Like, And you mentioned it earlier. Is a first-round pick a possibility? I don't know if a 2024 First round pick is a possibility, mm-hmm. but I absolutely think they could get a second or third rounder in 2024 with a conditional pick in 2025 that could turn into a first rounder if he hits certain levels. Like it, it's a fascinating. I, I, I don't want to be in Ryan Pulse's shoes because these are decisions that are going to, you know, make or break his career as the Bears GM. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any GMs that have had to make decisions of this magnitude at the quarterback position, at the coach position, when you know you just you just don't have a quarterback, a good team, you know, a solid roster, not an amazing roster, a solid roster, a pretty good quarterback, and the number one pick. It just doesn't happen. No, absolutely. And, and you talk like if you're the Steelers and you saw what happened last Thursday That's night. The Steelers. That's another one. Absolutely. How can you not want to, you know, why is, you know, Justin Fields has to be worth a pretty decent pick to, to come into that situation. I'm going to be interested. It's going to be interesting to see now because they're winning games, what the narrative will be, especially in the national media starting tomorrow morning, because you can tell it's starting to shift a little bit where now there are a lot of people on the national level that are becoming more pro fields. And they're saying the bears need to keep Justin Fields and they need, they need to build around him. And how does Ryan Poles acquiesce to the pressure that comes with the national media? It, it, you know, does he kind of lock himself in his in his silo and say, no, nope, I'm going to just do what I think is right? Or does he say, well, you know, I, I can't, you know, escape from this situation, the pressure, and I'm going to keep Justin Fields or else they're going to torch me on first take or something like that if I decide to, to draft Caleb Williams and and you know you'll they'll bring up things about crying and all the nonsense that these guys do on these kind of shows, right? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So let's move on to Chris Armstrong. A little offensive line talk. Any concerns with Davis up front? He struggled today. I'd love to get a bigger than six two guy in there. A- and here's what I would say to that, Chris. Uh, and then Ross, feel free to jump in. Mm-hmm. To me, Nate Davis. Yeah, he did not play well. He got bodied on a, a couple plays. Just did yeah. not look good. I agree, but. Overall, I think Nate Davis has been pretty good. And if Darnell Wright continues to improve, I expect the Bears to not get a rookie center next year. Mm -hmm. I expect the Bears to sign a center. Connor Williams, I think, is going to be the odd man out in Miami. They can't keep everyone. They're going to have to franchise tag Christian Wilkins because they couldn't get a a contract done with him. And and they just uh, paid Jackson their their tackle. So I I think that kind of shows that they're not going to pay Connor Williams. So he's going to be available. I think he's going to be the top center available. But there's three or four, maybe even five centers right now that could potentially become available that you're going to have to pay somewhere to 10, 13 million, kind of a Cody Whitehair type contract to get them to Chicago. You do that and you solidify that center position. You make a significant upgrade to Lucas Patrick and you put Nate Davis in between a good center 
and Darnell Wright, who I expect to be Darnell Wright's a little up and down because he's a rookie, but I expect Darnell Wright to be good next year and potentially great in year three. Like that's, I think that's the trajectory he's on. That's where you sit there and go, all right, well, Nate Davis is, is going to be fine as basically their worst offensive lineman. You tell me Nate Davis is your worst offensive lineman in a group of five. I'm on board. What I would do beyond that is, you know, Tyree Carter, he's been, you know, inactive a lot. He's kind of seems to be falling out of the graces a little bit of the coaching staff or, or, or whatever it might be. I would spend a mid round pick third, fourth round mm-hmm. pick on an interior offensive lineman with center guard abilities to be kind of that, you know, that what Lucas Patrick was supposed to be right. That key backup. And he became the starting center because Cody Whitehair couldn't handle it. That type of guy where you sit there and go, if you really like this guy you put in as a rookie, you know, Tevin Jenkins might get hurt again, so he's going to probably get some playing time. Mm-hmm. You have that guy in there and you like him. Well, then, you know, Nate Davis's guaranteed money is pretty much going to be done after next year. You can cut Nate Davis, slide this guy into your right guard position, or if you want Tev over there, slide him into your left guard position, whatever you want to do, and, and really solidify the offensive line. So Nate Davis isn't perfect, but I do think Nate Davis is a solid offensive lineman. I don't think they're going to worry about him for 2024, but I would put things in place where you could potentially replace him after next year. Yeah, Nate, I completely agree. Nate Davis is very much, he, he's not Mr. Right, but he's definitely Mr. Right now. And and he's, you know, he he's he's not great, but you've got other issues on that situation. You know, offensive line to me is a very much a, a, a strength in numbers uh, area. And if they were to upgrade, at center, that just makes everybody a lot better on that offensive line. Their, their center position uh, is is a glaring hole right now. I do agree with you on Darnell Wright. He will get better uh, one year under his belt. He's going to be able to have a full NFL offseason of strength and conditioning and nutrition. He's going to come in a better athlete next year. He's going to come in in better shape, even more so than he is now, especially as he's matures as a man. Um, and so I, I, I would keep Nate Davis last year. I'm not too concerned with it. Um, I also think Justin Fields tends to to run himself into a lot of these pressures as well that that we see out there. Um, but yeah, it, you know they they definitely want to draft his replacement sooner than later. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get in here with Ray Dory seventeen says Ryan Poles used a very stringent system when it comes to grading free agents in house talent extensions. We know based on Roquan and Jalen negotiations, he will not overpay for anyone period. And I do agree. Like we didn't see, you know, Ryan Poles, he got in on the Mike McGlinchey, you know, conversations mm-hmm. went another direction, you know, but again, they paid a lot of money for Tremaine Edmonds. And at this point, it certainly looks like an overpay. Tremaine had a really good game today. I'm not knocking him. I've knocked him plenty this year that he's been fine, but you don't pay $18 million for fine. But Tremaine Edmonds looked really good today. And, you know, you got to start wondering, when the defensive line starts playing better and Tremaine Edmonds doesn't have as much traffic in front of him, if he can really start shining and, and playing better. So we'll sit there and, and you can, I, I would sit there and agree with you, Rodori, that he's not going to overpay guys, but he paid sweat a bag, right? Yeah. Like he, if he feels he's got an impact guy, he's going to pay him. If Jalen plays into that guy, like Tevin Jenkins, Tevin Jenkins is playing into that guy and he's managed to stay pretty damn healthy here. You know, the, since he had the calf stuff issues, you know, in, in September, if he 
stays healthy the rest of the year. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to extend him this off season. They might, they might do an in season extension next year, you know, in November, when you kind of see those extensions come in, if he stays healthy again, but Tevin Jenkins is playing himself to be a guy. So I think Ryan Poles is careful with who he plays or who he pays. But if you play at a level where you are, you know, he he's brought up blue chip and red chip, you know, and hear Josh Lucas talk about blue chip, red chip. If Ryan Poles says you are a blue chip guy, he will pay you. Now, again, Roquan Smith, you know, that, that whole situation got weird. And I think it may have been different if Roquan had an agent. I know Baltimore managed to do it without an agent, but that situation got kind of weird. But overall, I think he, you know, if he identifies you as a blue chip player, he's going to pay you over $20 million and not be concerned about it. What he doesn't want to do is pay a red chip player like a blue chip player or a solid player like a red chip player. That's where I think he's being very careful. Mike McGlinchey, you know, he had, it forced him to have to draft Darnell, right? Yep. And again, I'm not saying it's a problem because Mike McGlinchey has been awful. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a good choice, but we did see that this year. He isn't just going to wildly spend money, which is why I sit there and go, Chris Jones, right? Someone like that who can make a big impact Bryce Huff, Someone like that, you know, potential, you know, for another wide receiver. Like, he'll pay if he feels this guy is an impact player, not a contributor, an impact player. So that that's where I would disagree a little bit. But, yes, I do think this offseason is going to be interesting. But also at the same time, if the Bears go 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine and, and, and the pieces the pieces weren't in place last year. So free agent is kind of like, I don't know if I want to mess with Chicago right now. I get Justin Fields is pretty electric, but I don't know what's going on there. That That's a little different than the idea of seeing a Bears team winning games, having pieces in place, DJ Moore, the defense is lights out, that kind of thing. You tell Chris Jones, you're like, hey, we got a you know, 10th, 11th, 12th ranked defense in the league. We want to put you in here making a top five defense. And we got you know DJ Moore, we got an offense, we're going to figure things out. You, you can have a better conversation with a free agent and not have to pay them as much. I think that's going to be a different situation, but you know, it's going to be an interesting off season, even beyond this number one pick stuff that we keep talking about beyond the draft, the, the free agency acquisitions, because they're going to need a wide receiver too. They're mm-hmm. going to need one before the draft. You can't just rely on getting one in the draft. They're going to need a new wide receiver too. Uh, you know, I think they're going to need some new depth behind Cole Komet. They need a, you know, they're going to have to pay a guy seven, eight million dollars to come in here and be with Cole Komet. You mm-hmm. know, you need a little bit more help up front on the defensive line. You need a center. They can get that, uh, you know, another safety, assuming they're replacing Eddie Jackson. They can get these pieces in place and basically have a complete roster. I always say you got to give uh, GM three off seasons. This will be Ryan Poles' third off season, and I think we're going to see a roster that Bears fans are going to be pretty happy about. Yeah, I completely agree. I I hate um, I, I hate opening up a, a a hole when you've got other holes, right? And and so when you don't have to open up that hole, I, I prefer it that way. And so even if you do have to overpay a little bit, and I don't think you, I don't think it is overpaying Jalen Johnson. He's proven this year that he deserves top five corner money. He's been playing that well, um, and, and you know. That's a gamble. Ryan Poles gambled, and right now he's losing a little bit. And so I think that he's going to uh, find a way to right the ship and finish and, and keep Jalen Johnson long term. Yeah, and I just want to finish up um, with a little bit of a conversation I here I see with uh, Rodori and Chris Armstrong about Caleb Williams because I think a lot of people are starting to talk about his size and he's yep. too small. 
Mm-hmm. And and here, here's what I would say. Here's the best thing to do about it. Go search on, 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 on Google and find the Heisman Trophy picture from last year with C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. They're standing right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Just take a look. Look at C.J. Stroud's build. Look at C.J. Stroud's height. Look at Caleb Williams right next to him. If you have concerns about size, then you have concerns about C.J. Stroud's size. C.J. Stroud might be a scotch taller than him, but Caleb Williams is not 5'11", like some some people are throwing out. I've seen on Twitter, oh, he's too tiny. He's Bryce Young. He is nowhere near Bryce Young's size. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and Ross, I know you're good at kind of judging bodies and and how Mm -hmm. they'll hold up in the NFL. I, I know he doesn't have typical NFL quarterback size. He's a bit on the smaller size. But I don't have any concerns of Caleb Williams in terms of his size. Do you? I don't either. I, you know, he's the Bryce Young was the only quarterback that I had major concerns about going forward. Even a guy like like Russell Wilson is a lot more stout than Bryce Young. You know, Russell Wilson is about 5'10, 5'11, but he's he's very strong. Uh he reminds Caleb Williams a little bit is uh reminds me a little bit more from a physique standpoint of a younger Jalen Hurts before Jalen Hurts uh, put on a little bit more muscle but I don't have concerns about him Caleb Williams also not going to be a guy that's going to be uh doing a lot of design runs and things like that and you know things that's going to get him into to trouble and taking hits um so I, I'm not worried about that all right Ross uh as we wrap up here uh I know we've been, we've been on for an hour and 15 minutes so we got to get going but Anything about the game or or any anything in particular that we haven't hit that, you know, kind of final thoughts that you want to bring up here before we wrap up? No, I just think that it was this was the most impressive win that we've seen from this franchise in a long time. And so now all of a sudden, you know, the Bears to me become the most fascinating team in the NFL going forward in the next couple of weeks because they have this number one pick and play. But they're also the arrow is trending up right now. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to play going forward. And then we can start to have these conversations more about what they're going to do with the first overall pick. I think right now we're just still too, too, still too premature to really talk about it because they're fighting for a playoff spot right now, you know, and, and their quarterback right now is playing better and he's fighting for a playoff spot. And you said it earlier, if they get to the playoffs, they're trading that they're probably keeping Justin Fields. if they're running this whole thing back. So these next couple of weeks are going to be very, very interesting. The Cleveland game is going to be must-see TV once again. Yeah, absolutely. So he is at Ross Reed on Twitter slash X. And again, it's the Mac and Reed podcast. When, when, when does the Mac and Reed podcast hit bar room each week? We are going, we go live every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Central time. So we do sports, but if you know me, movies, TV, hip hop, tons of pop culture, stuff like that. So we have a lot of fun. Yeah, so make sure you check out Ross there. And, of course, the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel will have, you know, a, a full after the bye week because everything was a little weird with our schedule. Um, you know, we'll have our full slate of podcasts. And I'll just say for Bears Banter this week, if you are Johnsing for a new episode, you'll want to make sure you check out that one. There's that tease. A good guest <laughs> for, for this week, especially with everything going on. Ross, thank you. I, I enjoyed it. For the you know the rest of you, thank you so much for tuning in live. If you check this out on, on the podcast channel, you know afterwards we appreciate you as well. Bear down, everybody. The Chicago Bears are in the hunt. Enjoy it. Adios. Mm-hmm.